This episode of Pharmacy IT and Me was recorded in April 2021. You are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony with another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me, and today we have a very special guest, uh, Dr. Joey Legrand, and Joey Legrand is a lead applications analyst at an academic medical center and the creator of uh, CodeRx. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How are you doing? Hi, Tony. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, like, uh, just for our listeners to kind of get a little bit of uh, better understanding about who you are before we kind of talk about CodeRx, can you give them a brief overview about like your story about how you got into this whole healthcare IT and informatics space? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I started, I went to pharmacy school uh, about university in Indianapolis. Um, and after I graduated, uh, started working right away in retail pharmacy, did not do the residency route. And when I was in pharmacy school, I found out like most way through that there was a thing called informatics, which I've heard other people kind of tell that same type of story. So I signed up for the elective in school. I was the only person in that class. And there was a professor, a uh, assistant professor and a fellow teaching the class. And I'm the only one in there listening to them. Uh, so it wasn't a very big thing to even get into in, in school, but I was interested enough in computers and technology to kind of seek it out. But after I graduated, went straight into retail, worked for uh, Kroger for a couple of years and then moved back to Chicagoland and worked for Target as a pharmacy manager. And then as people do, I took a job directly from retail pharmacy as a kind of a product manager for an electronic uh, prescribing application of uh, the uh, my place I currently work. And so took a hard left turn and got into into directly into informatics with that career change. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting to hear like what people do with the informatics side, like just sometimes it's like slowly getting there. And other times it's like completely just out of nowhere switching like like you, but it's not really out of nowhere since you kind of already knew what you wanted to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, it was a slow burn. I've I've been into computers and programming for a long time. Like I since I discovered you could type QBasic into a DOS prompt and pull up a basically an IDE um, to start writing a program and uh, built some probably don't even know what QBasic is, but it's it's just a programming language built some built some video games in it when I was younger and got into web development after after I graduated pharmacy school. That was 10 years ago and have been kind of teaching myself develop web development, programming, database management and things since then. So I've always definitely been interested in that side of things. And so it was kind of like a long time coming, I think. But yeah, I think I think that it's kind of one of those things that right after right out of college to get into it, you either do residency, somehow get right into the job or or um, try to pursue an educational degree, like a master's in informatics. And um, yeah, I went right into right into working and then in the meantime did a master's degree and also got a job in that all in that same time period without finishing the master's degree. Yeah, so you you did a lot because you have like this this huge passion for for being in that technology kind of space with the programming side. So that kind of leads into CodeRx and CodeRx is something that I've I've seen the post about CodeRx uh, a while ago when it was first uh, founded and I, I wanted to just ask you about um, I guess just describing what CodeRx is and I guess what your vision of it is. 
Yeah, CoderX kind of started with me just sharing a Slack group with some coworkers and some friends and just to share share ideas about um, technology as it relates to healthcare and and have a sort of a community built around there. And that's just where it started. It started pretty small and I kind of stumbled upon the the actually the pharmacist connect Slack uh, and and discovered that there is a, a pharmacy informatics community there. And even within that community, there are people that are more into kind of programming in terms of like writing Python or JavaScript code or like really doing deep, deep, deep data analytics and, and sort of data engineering. And so I kind of started finding these people that, that were into that like sub niche of informatics um, and just bringing them into the Slack. And that's that's kind of how we've been uh, networking more more or less. And so it's grown to, I mean, it's, it's a Slack group primarily of, I think we're around 80, 80 people and most of them are pharmacists. Very diverse group of people. Uh, like I said, some people are into like DevOps programming, like backend stuff, database uh, kind of management. Other people are more into the front end space. Other people are in, in data, um, database management and data analytics, machine learning. Um, it's just kind of surprising to find out how many pharmacists are really passionate about uh, such a wide variety of things like that. Um, and so uh, we've it's, it's a group where we can kind of collaborate, ask questions, bounce ideas off of each other. Um, on top of that, it's, it's a place where we are kind of working on projects and most of those are open source. I mean, all of them so far are open source and, uh, and yeah, so we're kind of collaborating and sharing this knowledge that we have to, to actually build something um, or to build useful things. It's kind of a practical application of, of the knowledge that we have. That's awesome. And actually, I, I remember that you guys recently worked together on a, a pretty long post about um, it was involving, was involving supply chain. Was that it? Yeah. Yep. It was involving um, kind of pharmacy uh, drug procurement supply chain. Yeah. Do you want to uh, maybe give a preview for the listeners about what that post was about? Yeah. So we uh, we also have a newsletter that you can subscribe to or just read articles from, and that was posted there. And the post was about kind of the current state of drug procurement for most pharmacies uses a system called EDI um, or electronic data interface, and and so that that is what a lot of legacy systems use currently normally. Um, but we kind of imagined a world where instead of that, um, which is kind of a, a fl- exchange of flat text files, more or less, um, if, if we could do more of a, an API-driven interface for, for purchasing uh, and laid out what it, what it could look like in terms of, of saving in terms of time and effort and getting the drugs to patients more efficiently with minimal human effort that could be saved and spent on other things. And so it's just just kind of a thought experiment and pointing out that even though what we have now is is what we have, it could be better. Um, I think that's one of the things also that we uh, are trying to show people or bring to light is that like there are other industries you can look to and, and, and if you learn about them and know the technology that they're using and apply it to the domain that you have in pharmacy or healthcare, you know, what what can you make better or what can you kind of like be an advocate for somebody who may be more technically skilled than you to improve or make better. So 
um, the article was just more or less a thought experiment on how we can make uh, make that that process better. And you know, same kind of concept could be applied to to other things in healthcare as well. Yeah, I remember when I was reading that, I was just thinking, yeah, I mean, this is something that's always on the back of probably everyone's minds if they're worthy working on that the supply chain and the uh, the sending and uh, receiving of those files. And it's kind of like, okay, why are we just getting flat files? Like, there's so many issues that can happen with flat files. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I in the previous place I've worked at, we've had issues where done the, the um, line items get misaligned. So then things get shifted. So then you, you, you receive something that is not what you ordered in the system, but then what you actually get is different. Um, so it, it's, it's just such a mess sometimes. And I, I'm very surprised that there hasn't been a big talk about uh, APIs with them yet. So I guess it was cathartic to see that, you know, I'm not the only one experiencing this. Yeah, I got a lot of good feedback from other people too. Um, I think I think a lot of people are kind of feeling the pain. But yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised. Pharmacy is not the only industry that's still depending on that for sure, uh, or healthcare in general. But but it just seems like uh, an obvious place where applying some some new tech could could really save some some pain. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, for CodeRx, you did talk about like different projects that you're working on. And I know we kind of talked about this uh, before this recording, but uh, can you kind of describe a little bit about the competition that you guys are currently in? Yeah, so the main project that some of the members of CodeRx are focused on right now is the Synthetic Health Data Challenge, which is which is put on by um, the Office of the National Coordinator of Health IT. And it's it, it, the goal of the challenge um, is is surrounding uh, synthetic patient data, which is uh, produced by this open source application called Synthia. And basically, Synthia is this open source application that you can generate birth to death uh, patient health data and kind of make uh, the population as realistic as the data that goes into the, the application. So um, it looks to census data, for instance, and kind of CDC uh, disease prevalence and things like that. And people can build modules to represent how a patient would kind of normally flow through an EHR um, in terms of like being admitted, getting prescribed medications, having certain diagnosis codes, ordering labs. Um, and all of this stuff is completely fake and synthetic. And the benefit of it is um, you can you can use that that kind of realistic health data, which comes to you in in, in fire um, standards or or even CSV if you want it, to kind of build a prototype application or start doing research while you're waiting on getting real health records that are becoming in the same format. So it saves time and reduces barrier to entry for that type of thing. But the project that we're working on to, to make to make this um, synthetic data more realistic, uh, our, our proposal focuses around medications, obviously. There are there are six PharmDs working on this project that has to do heavily with, with programming and data. And I can go into the details of it, but basically what we're trying to do is, um, an example is one of the patients, you know, one of the modules is for hypothyroidism. And in this simulation, every single patient that comes out of the simulation is prescribed the exact same strength of levothyroxine like nobody gets anything else besides that one strength of levothyroxine. And and obviously there are tons of strengths of levothyroxine and there's Synthroid you know, brand and then there's, you know, thyroid, USB and pork and or whatever, things like that, like that. There's lots of variety and there's none of that represented in these populations. So as, as that taking that as an example, we're trying to 
increase the diversity of the medications in the synthetic population. Um, and also not just randomly make them different. We're trying to make it representative of what is really prescribed in the U.S. using other open source data. Um, none of it can be private, like paywall data. It has to all be open source um, for them to be able to kind of implement it into their system. So that's the challenge. We're, we're trying to make medications more realistic um, using a bunch of open source data sources. That's really cool. So yeah, I was actually going to be asking you about that, about the uh, the data that you use. Like, how do you decide uh, which open source data data that's out there is going to be used to kind of inform your uh, your decisions and algorithms to get the medications to kind of be realistic? Yeah. So I think I think this should air far enough into the into the challenge that it won't be giving too many spoilers away. But I think we're also the only team that is really heavily focused on medications anyway. But um, without giving too much away about what we're doing, the main open source of, of medication information um, for people who aren't familiar with it, you know, in terms of terminology alone, is is RX Norm, and and then RX Norm and the and the NLM or National Library of Medicine has uh, other open source resources that um, your your listeners could check out called um, RX Class is a big one, and so RX Class is just kind of a di different classification systems of of RX Norm codes. So RX Norm represents medication terminology, and RX Class is like a hierarchy of different medications that you can say, okay, what medications treat hypothyroidism, um, and it'll show you all of those kind of uh, RX Norm normalized medications that that may treat hypothyroidism, for instance. So. We're using both of those to let the developers of these modules kind of um, pick and choose what they're trying to do. Because the other challenge is we're building this for developers that might not be healthcare savvy, and they need to to have enough tools at their disposal to build a module that's somewhat realistic. So they can start with RX class and and have RX class tell them what medications may be used to treat hypothyroidism. Get a list of you know levothyroxine, liothyronine, etc. And then with RX Norm, you can take that ingredient name and you can go up and down in terms of like granularity and specificity. Um, and so you can you can zoom out or zoom in, whatever way you look at it, and see all of the different products that that are available for levothyroxine, right? Like the strength dose form ingredient products that are prescribable. And then of all those products, what are the NDCs that you can get? for those products. And all of that can be done inside of RX Norm. And so from there, you can see we can get from a developer saying, I want to know what drugs treat treat hypothyroidism to all of the NDCs that might be used to treat hypothyroidism. So that's kind of the first part of the puzzle uh, is getting that. And a lot of that is done using the, these open source tools that are provided by NLM. And, and those are really useful to experiment with and play with. And if you just Google any of that stuff, you should be able to find some resources to get started. Um, but that's what that's what we're using to get the first piece done. That's awesome. So yeah, I um, we are recording this way before the end of the competition. So uh, hopefully by by the time this airs, you know, it's already near the end of the competition. So yeah, um, but but yeah, like that was one of the things that you guys are working on. I know that on your website, too, it does talk about other projects like that daily med API project, uh, and open FDA project. Uh, are those things that you can talk about as well? Yeah, so the the daily med API is is something we're still really interested in doing, and that's kind of like a, I don't know, it, it's it's one use case I guess for what we're trying to do, but it's on hold temporarily while we're kind of focusing on this uh, challenge. But we'll probably pick it up after the challenge is over. Uh, you know, so I, I wrote an article about this too in the in the newsletter, and um, daily med is 
is like the the major resource for structured product label information from the FDA. Um, and it's a really good resource by itself. And it does have an API already. So my article was like, why are we building a daily med API if daily med has an API? But the thing is, there's like a ton of valuable information about medications and drug products that are kind of stored in XML, uh, which is how drug manufacturers report this stuff to the FDA. And so like as structured product labels, like you, if you tear apart that really big, like the folded up tiny thing on your pill bottle and you read all of like the fine print, that's like a structured product label, like in really small font. The stuff's also available in Daily Med. And the way it gets to both of those places is via a standardized like XML template. And so some of that information in that XML is made available from the Daily Med API that they provide. Other parts of it might be available in other places, but there are certain things that are are, are useful and valuable to some people, and and and, and that that aren't available in, in an API. And we're saying API a lot, but API, if people don't know, is application programming interface. It's just a way for computers to kind of exchange structured information in in a certain kind of standard, very simplistic way of, of saying it, but. But basically, we're trying to un- unlock some of the information that's valuable that's stored in in these um, structured product labels in a way that makes it usable for like somebody developing a software application to use it. One of the reasons, you know, one of the use cases we started with, which is like important to some people, not a ton of people, but is that you know inactive ingredients are not available in in Daily Med's API in a structured format. They'll have, they'll give you the active ingredients of products, um, but but when drug manufacturers report what is in the drugs that they're making, they also report inactive ingredients. And so if you can imagine like somebody wanting to build an app that, you know, checks against inactive ingredients that people are, you know, taking in the, in the specific, the specific NDCs that they're ingesting, uh, you know, are there, are there inactive ingredients? They might have a, an allergy to, or, you know, have to have ketogenic diet that can't have some of those ingredients and, and things like that. Like it would be really useful to have that level of information in a structured format where you could be certain that you you weren't just doing some sort of a string comparison or like a name comparison to find that ingredient that you're actually looking for the specific, you know, ingredient in, in that product. And so that's just one example, but there's lots of other um, useful information in those. And so the, the goal was to kind of pull that out and host it up on, on our own API that, that some people could could use for, for that type of purpose. You know, that's a really, really great idea in terms of the uh, inactive ingredients. And so I work at a pediatric hospital, so we are always looking at um, patients that uh, are sometimes on ketogenic diet because of the seizure risk. Yep. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's always like, we'll get the, uh, you know, the pharmacist will get the alert when they have that marked as a ketogenic diet patient, but then they'll have to manually go check everything. Like there's no good way of like just doing it through the system. They'll have to like look at it themselves with the, the ingredients they have on hand. So. Yeah, and the hard thing with that is that you know you get to the point of the workflow is if you don't know the specific NDC that you're checking for for that use case, it's hard to tell what inactive ingredients are at just a given product of a medication, right? Like you know, a product could have many different NDCs that have different inactive ingredients, which is a challenge in in and of itself in a workflow. But anyway, but yeah, I think I think I see what you're saying is that yeah, it's definitely an important thing for 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 that patient population and. Um, but yeah, that's what we're trying to do is make that more more uh, available. And then another part of like CodeRx that I saw that was um, pretty nice was the resources page. And um, it's actually, I, I do sometimes refer to your resources page. It's, it's great because sometimes like we have stuff at our, our work that um, 
like for example i didn't really know what redux was until until i actually looked it up and i'm like oh it's actually already on codex so so yeah like I, I guess like for your resource page what is your what was your goal like to was it like a one-stop area or or what were you guys trying to do so um, where that comes from is literally just links that people have shared in the Slack. Like I will, <laughs> I will do a monthly, I haven't done it in like a month or two, but I'll do like a monthly um, search of the Slack message history for like links people have shared. And I will put them in a spreadsheet that gets translated into like a resources page on our website. And so that's all just conversations people are having and pe things people are bringing up in conversations in the Slack that we're trying to kind of just collect because it gets lost as you probably know from other stuff you know with slack conversations just kind of gets lost in the fl flurry and so we're trying to just store them in a place that people can refer to and have a central repository for that information and then some of it you know i'll add to i'll you know just stuff that i know and, and want to add to it but yeah that, that's kind of the goal is like that people ring up really interesting things all the time in, in passing but we just wanted to have a place for them to stick and land and be easy to find and, and it, for me too like stuff i do all the time i always have to google it or whatever and like figure out how to get to the link from you know the 17 seven clicks it takes to get there but i just want to have it in the in a reference that i can get to too so i use it every, every once in a while myself as well but yeah so it's, it's kind of the, the goal eventually is it for it to be kind of like a pretty comprehensive one-stop shop for um you know we have there which is pretty interesting i don't know another place that has this or will have what we're trying to get but have just like data sources that are healthcare specific right so like if you're looking to play with some data that's open source you know it ha there's a good resource page that has you know all the different government data sources like from cms medicaid um everything like that we also have you know the synthetic data from Cynthia and things like that. And there's other types of, of de-identified or synthetic patient data that you can kind of get, get, get your hands, uh, get your hands into and play with. And so I don't think there's like a really good one-stop shop for that type of thing. And we're trying to make, make that um, available. And then also just like resources for health terminologies and, and Python packages or other programming, you know, libraries that are useful if you're trying to deal with medication information or uh, healthcare data and things like that. So it's, it's just that that's what's kind of the sweet spot for us is like, is poor programming and data meet, meet pharmacy and medications. Cause there's certainly better resources if you're just trying to learn Python or trying to learn JavaScript or anything like that, or trying to learn SQL. Like, you know, you're, you're going to go to the <clears throat> code academies of the world and, and learn that stuff. But we're kind of trying to serve as the, the bridge from, from that into healthcare for people that are either healthcare focused and want to learn more about programming or, you know, people that are developers that are trying to learn more about like medic, medical medication, you know, terminologies and standards and healthcare and things like that. And so I think the resources page is a first step at that. We're also trying to build guides for how to use certain open source tools. Like we mentioned daily med, I have like a very basic guide, which is not much more than just like stuff that you can find on daily meds website, but pulled into a kind of a cohesive, almost like documentation, like you'd find for like programming documentation or like documentation of a GitHub repo or something. Um, it's just meant to be a, a place where you can kind of get an overall understanding of what's available there, how to use it, what the limitations are, um, things like that. And hope to do that for other things like Rx Norm itself, which is um, would be a pretty big challenge. Open FDA, which is FDA's uh, open source like data and API. 
it's kind of intimidating to start off using these tools. You can figure it out, but um, the goal is to kind of be a place to get started and have resources and tools to to make it easy to to get to get started and to learn what it can do. Yeah. So about the guide part, like you mentioned that it's it's uh, similar to their guide, and I, I don't know. Like for me, I feel like it's so it's so much more readable when it's on CodeRx because it's like clean and straight to the point. Where like I would feel so uh, overwhelmed trying to figure out where to go on Daily Med to like find that information. Yeah, that's the challenge. It's like they're <laughs> thank you. Their yeah, their website it's all it's mostly there, but it's in like seven different pages and you know, the the website isn't intended is more intended to be used by people consuming the the service of the website, you know, the the information that's in the structured product labels. And so it's not exactly the primary focus. Um, and it, like you said, yeah, it's kind of hard to figure out where all of the valuable information is. So yeah, even in that simple case, it is probably a little bit more beneficial to have it in one place. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, another question I had, this is more of like, it delves back into like informatics and being an applications analyst or informatics pharmacist. Uh, one of the things that students have asked me is, do you need to learn how to code to be an informatics pharmacist? And I know that you are more focused on coding because that's your passion, but what do you say to those kind of questions? Uh, I would say you definitely do not need to know how to code to be an inform- informaticist. Uh, it's it's something I don't actually even do in my like normal like day job. <laughs> so it's it, it it I think what the key is though is that it's I think they're synergistic. Like they they both use similar kind of parts of your brain. You know, learning learning some principles of of programming and and getting used to programming. It kind of can help you think logically and think of of all of the ways this this program you're writing could break um, and how to test it to make sure it doesn't break thinking about usability of a, of an application like from a UI perspective also directly applies to like doing things in the informatics world only you're just kind of you know potentially you know configuring uh, epic or a cerner or something to to be usable so i mean a lot of the the principles apply in both scenarios but you know for most for most informatics roles i think you don't need to know how to program but but I think it, it also teaches, you know, problem solving, critical thinking, and and just just generally like analysis and and like using the best tool for the problem you're trying to solve. Because um, it's there's tons of tools you can use in both in both programming and in informatics, right? So what is the best one to use in this case? And so yeah, I think I think people who are interested in it um, should definitely see if they are interested in like learning it learning it but i don't think it's something that you have to do before you get like into informatics or anything like that yeah that's actually a pretty good uh answer in terms of like saying it's synergistic i didn't really think about that but yeah i I usually just say it's not something that you need to know but it's it's nice to know because it gives you a better understanding of how things are done so yeah, and I think I think it's it's synergistic, but it also does give you an edge, particularly like with some de- if you're doing data analysis as part of your job, you know, knowing that you can use things besides Excel or something to potentially get get an answer that you're looking for that might be hard to do with with Excel or something that's not a uh, programming language, and that that's kind of a powerful tool to have in your tool belt when it when it's needed, and and that's that's something that you know. You might get some pearls from from learning how to program that that could help you in a in a job that doesn't normally require programming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, if people wanted to kind of like learn more about 
CodeRx or even like reach out to you directly for specific questions? Uh, I guess like what's the best way that they can find out uh, more information? So CodeRx's website is CodeRx.io. So it's C-O-D-E-R-X.io. And then if you want to reach out to me, uh, my website is Legrand.io, L-E-G-R-A-N-D.io. Um, I have links just to my uh, my LinkedIn, my GitHub, and my email on, on that site. That's all there is. So uh, either of those, if you want to reach out. Awesome. Awesome. So I just wanted to be respectful of your time. Uh, but, you know, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing more about the the programming side of, uh, you know, a pharmacists working in uh, informatics and, you know, all the issues that we've had that can kind of be solved with like APIs in the future. So thank you so much for just being on the podcast today and sharing that. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there. And I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of CIT and me, and remember, technology is the tool, patient care is the goal.